Hi, and welcome to another episode of Digital Noir Presents Humans Aren't Robots. I'm your host, Sam Davies, and today I have a very special guest. I feel like I'm in some sort of a bizarro world. I'm in two podcasts at once. I have with me today Amelia View from Be The Drop Podcast, another awesome Adelaide-based podcast. Uh, she runs Narrative Marketing and talks about a lot of similar stuff that uh, that we do here on Humans Aren't Robots. We've kind of been running in parallel for a number of years now, keep bumping into each other around the place, and we've been saying for a while that we need to get each other in the same room to do a combo podcast, so that is exactly what we have done. We sat down and, and interviewed each other and, and sort of just riffed on a number of topics, um, things that are close to both of our hearts, branding, uh, culture, storytelling, which is which is massive for Amelia. Customer service, we t- touched on. And we obviously got meta and talked about why we started podcasts in the first place and some tips and tricks around podcasting and the beast that it becomes. So, yeah, without further ado, let's jump in with Amelia. And uh, afterwards, I'll give you some links to her show, but definitely check out Be The Drop. She has some incredible guests and we shall be podcasting together from South Start this year. I, I like when I do a podcast and the podcast <laughs> guest brings their own pop filter. <laughs> How often has that happened? This is the first time. Yes. I love being a first timer. So welcome to Humans Aren't Robots, Amelia. Fantastic. And welcome to Be The Drop, Sam. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about this interview and it does feel like we sort of are a little bit of a reflection of each other. We, we both are in, have a marketing agency or a creative agency of some respect and we've both been podcasting for, for a couple of years. And we, we seem to have kind of similar interests around the things we focus on in some of the guests that we talk to. Yeah, I feel like we've had crossover we've with had guests who've crossovers. talked over. So it's, it's about time we crossed over each other. We've hey? been trying to make it happen for a while. I know, I feel like over a year. <laughs> Yeah, literally. It has been over a year, literally. And that's crazy, isn't it? No, time vortex. Like, I I feel like I missed August as a whole month this year, and the whole year has just gone boom. And we're already thinking about Christmas. We're booking stuff. Like, yeah, this time of year is scary. I feel like we're booked up until December now, and it's just, you know, work and life, family. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, So, Be the Drop is, is your podcast. That's right. And the thing that so we've just renamed our podcast to. Hu- I know this Humans was this robots. was one of my questions. Mm. So why? What was the whole big piece behind changing it? Sure. So um, and because isn't isn't it obvious that humans aren't robots? <laughs> why? M- yeah. Maybe maybe not. So mm. it's it's funny. It's a it's a it's a, a phrase that we say a lot in the just around working in the studio for some reason. Um, mostly came through sort of marketing stuff. So we, we like to, and I think it's similar to you know how you talk about storytelling, right? Um, it's um, you know not treating people just like numbers and and actually connecting on that human level as opposed to I, I like to, you know in a podcast situation actually actively listening and you know having a conversation with you as opposed to just giving you 20 questions and then going to the next uh, going to the next question which I find some people do so over the last uh, two and a half years we've been having these chats with people and even though maybe I've started a conversation talking about something more technical it often ends up coming back to, to culture and, and people and I think this the times we live in at the moment we're so surrounded by tech and you know sort of mm, static and things sort of begging for our attention that mm. 
coming back to you know just this and i like this even though we've got a little bit of tech here we're kind of locked into a conversation yeah. right now and, and you can't get away from it which i really quite like no I, i'll have to take the headphones off yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> but the microphone's here and i like microphones yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but 100 percent. and because it's it is we're in this noisy use use that word you know we're in a very dis- disruptive interruptive you know digital world whereas mm. is we're constantly bombarded with with noise and it is you know automation is fantastic i i I have a personal love for ai and the space and what's happening and what are we doing but again we have to remember in the heart of that we're trying to interact with people yeah that's right and there's heaps of interesting conversations around you know the future of ai and ethics of ai and i think there's there's so much i mean around health and around you know even just simple things to help make our lives easier sure why not but i think um staying true to i suppose that actual human element that that sits outside of uh you know the technology is going to be important for us going forward as well and i I like in these conversations to yeah just to be able to break away from that and actually connect and i think as as we've sort of progressed through this sort of podcasting landscape where we started off doing something quite different so digital noir presents was just kind of a chance for us to sit in the studio and have a conversation with each other in the team and I mean, we've wanted to do a podcast for years, so it was sort of, great, let's just make it happen. But I think this is probably more focused to uh, the conversations that we want to continue having. Mm-hmm. Which and, and for me, as you said, storytelling is it, you know, that's yeah. around how we connect, how we learn. And that's very much the best storytellers are the ones that are conscious of the audience that are, are really, you know, I like to say, you know, that storyteller that you, you listen to and you have the lean forward moment, you yeah. know, and as they're talking, you really, you're leaning in as you're listening and you're, you know, you, you're hanging off their next word. You know, if, if in marketing and our communications, just in general, if we can create that where we create interest and, you know, we're, but you have to be conscious of your audience to do that, to you, get them to hang off your words. You really do. And you have to be, I suppose, conscious of sometimes your story might not resonate with that audience. And I suppose that, that you know, that robotic element is that, you know, that old school approach of just, you know, scattershot and here's our message. It's for everybody. It doesn't really work. I mean, it never really worked, but it, it, it definitely doesn't work in the way that, that we market these days so finding your audience and then you know talking in a way that's gonna well hopefully talking in in the way that you that comes naturally from you and that you have an audience that resonates well with Mm. so for you then in in the marketing landscape what is it that you think does really resonate with people how is it that you build connection sure it's that it's that horrible cliche word that i don't like saying anymore but authenticity and you know that that the sense of i think just doing doing you as a as a business or as a brand or as a product whatever it is but you know and you talk about a lot through all of your conversations you've had but you know what's and all and embracing you know the i suppose the full 360 degrees of what it is to be to be a brand or a company and and not you know there's that sense of kind of you know faking the funk or or that polished kind of you know brand message that has been a bunch of marketing professionals sat around a table looking at demographics and saying right what's going to resonate well with with this with this demographic i mean sure that 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 might work but i think these days people just want to actually hear somebody really telling a true story that, that that's come from a place of the heart let's say rather than authenticity I know and look it's marketers we're terrible and I feel like as marketers we're allowed to say this but we ruin words like authenticity authentic and genuine and I saw on your website I like the uh, jargon free zone yeah and look and I really do try I really do try to do jargon free but um 
I, I, I catch myself, you know. We, so sincerity is maybe a nice way because, yeah, authentic, you know, but just a place where I think that when, when we um, are getting clients to write website copy, sometimes they will, if you ask someone, um, a business owner to write about their business, they sort of go into year 12 essay mode and they start writing these, you know, long words and strange sentence structure. But if I ask you about your business face to face, you know, you're going to get a much more honest and sort of, you know, yeah, you know, I'm really passionate about this. We've been doing it since da 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 da, and that sort of tone, I think, is going to resonate better with your customers than trying to write something that sounds like, mm. you know, marketing speak, which is sort of, I think, how people think they need to get their message out. Whereas face to face, they're probably doing a really great job of, of selling themselves. Yeah, look, and I, I, I get it because even in my personal journey, when I started my business narrative marketing, that was about six years ago. And I was like, oh, so I have to have some corporate branding. Yeah. And I, you know, I needed to be in the professional world and and be considered as someone serious you know you know a single consultant but I want to come across as professional and serious so you know I went through a branding process and masala was the color of the year at that time so I had masala and I used an infinity symbol which I still use now but then I had like pretty serious font and it was all you know very Masala's sort of like a purple colour, purple, black and white and very serious corporate pictures. Mm. And then there's me and I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm very serious about delivering good work. Sure. But, you know, like I grew up around pig farms and I'm loud and fun and energetic. So that didn't come through in my branding. And so after a few years of having that branding, I was like this, you know, I'm just... It's not fitting me. Mm. But, I, you know, I was trying to do it because that was an image, as you say, that I thought I needed to portray. And then we went, I just let that go. And I was like, okay, I'm, I don't, I don't want to do – that's not me. So I, it's really hard for me to sell because I'm, like, making up this story that's not mine. It doesn't come from my heart. So then we went through it and I was like, you know what, I believe in storytelling and the superpower of it and, you know, it can change the world. Like, you know, and I believe this, like, wholeheartedly. It vibrates through me. So I was like, bugger it. I'm going to have a superhero-themed branding, you know. I'm just – I'm going to play with this. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to take my energy and put it into it. So, you know, I've got kapow and, you know, and I was like, whoa, and it – still the infinity but it's more casual and more brush and like you know superhero red and superhero blue and then I make my t-shirts and I get them printed on Vista print you know like it's all <laughs> just like was that yeah. that sounds like a really cathartic process for it was amazing through. it was so much fun I had fun and it and now I can use that I can talk about it and I thought oh, business won't take me seriously if I'm talking about superheroes you know I'm, I'm, I'm not a comic book person like sure. but I just for me, it's about the the power that they represent and that the the hero sort of ideal. And that I really do believe that through stories and in, in a business context and in, in a greater world context, it's the stories that create our reality. Yeah. It's the stories that, that, that demonstrate who we are and how we operate. So we use that as our narratives through life. So, yeah, it's, I love it. That, that, that's literally what we're doing, right? Like it's the, you know, it's Seth saying you know, people like me do things like this and all that has just come through all these narratives that have been interwoven into our life. I did the exact same thing as you. My first business was Scrimshaw Communications, leave a lasting impression and it was this corporate corporate logo, corporate website. It was just me consulting and made it seem like I was much bigger than what I was and you know, established in 2005. Da, 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 da. And when I came, that was in the UK, I came back to Adelaide and was like, 
No, nah, like I want to do like I want to do something fun that that represents me. So digital noir comes from my love of film and and wine and you know our first thing was sort of quite comic booky as well, just sort of more of my passions into the business. And I think I had so much more fun, you know, marketing that and talking about it because it was coming from a you know place that a passion for me as opposed to trying to create something that, that was fake. Mm, but it's e- it is easy to fall into that Very trap. Very easy. But so rewarding when you just lean into it and go with it. And, the, the, you know, yeah, there are some clients that might go, uh, we don't want the crazy chick who wears T-shirts and talks about superheroes. But that's not for you then, right? They're not, so not going to fit for me. So I don't want them anyway. You don't want them. No. And I think that that's that's a really important point is that, you know, you, you want your marketing to attract the, the right people for you. And if, and if your marketing can do that, it's going to save you time down the track, you know, um, having the wrong customer. How do you think it applies to maybe, you know, a slightly bigger business or a, a business that's been, I suppose, around for a long time. If, you, if you're a marketing you know, manager that comes into a business and you feel like things are stale and maybe you've got to compete against, you know, the, the owners or any established sort of um, stakeholders within the business, how do you go about changing that? Have you spoken to people that have, that have done that? Yeah, yeah. Look, and, and I think that's a really important thing to change because your culture is so incredibly fundamental to the success of your business, you know, and that toxic energy, you know, what you're talking yeah. about. Um, what's what's that book, Fish? You know, okay. I read that book, Fish, a while ago, and it's based on there's a fish market, you know, in America and, and they're having so much fun and they're throwing fish around, but re- literally they're, they're dealing with slimy cold fish, <laughs> but they're loving their job. And so then the, the author uses that as an analogy for, to how to change and how, you know, working in an office where there's this toxic energy and there's not a positivity, well, that's going to impact how you communicate with your customers. Mm. You know, that's not just an internal thing. It might manifest in an internal issue, but unless you fix that, you, it will also manifest externally to your customers because if internally people aren't happy, if internally people don't you know, like the job that they're doing or like the organisation that they're working for, then that will transpire across, you know. A hundred percent. I've had this conversation with a few companies that I think do a really good job of their internal sort of, um, you know, looking after their team and and general wellness and and happiness of their teams. Their products reflect that and their customer service reflects that. Because if if you're not, if you don't care about the people that, you know, building your business for you then what you know you're you're not going to care about your customers either so Mm. putting that focus internally first i think actually is is really powerful in in terms of externalizing it yeah and i do a lot of work with sarah constructions who are commercial constructions building company Mm. and i've been working with them probably about four or five years so uh, you know it's it's been a really lovely long-term relationship um and we did some work years ago on their on their values and internal communications but honestly the the company itself has got a great internal culture and so we would we were just really helping give the language to what already existed internally but they they live and breathe it across every layer of the business so i i write up project profiles for them for example and or blog pieces and i will speak from to to staff from the ceo right down to graduates who have only just started with the company but the language that they use and, and their values are around people first and mm. relationships and problem solving and honour. They're the sorts of values that the company has. And from the very top, right down, and like guys on site, you know, project managers, the, the leadership team, they, it's authentic and genuine. Again, we've killed those words, <laughs> but it, it's true. They really live and breathe organically yeah. that, those language. And it's so impressive to see, you know, and it definitely comes across to the clients that they work with because I've interviewed their clients as well like it's 
it is their, their culture and their values is a true living breathing thing is that something that they have grown organically as the i mean as as the business is built and was sort of stemmed from the founders or is it something that they've tried to sort of co-create with the with the team oh, look no it's a family generational business mm. so this is the third generation um of sarah family that's that's running it um and it is definitely part of that the the family values. Yeah. But then obviously they've got CEOs that work and and bring in that that element. But they are very they work on their HR. They're mm. very um, attuned and understand the value of people. I mean their first value is people first. Yeah. Cool. So and and they do. That's that's exactly how the business operates. People first. Their staff internally. Their co- the contractors and subcontractors as well as their clients. But it's always people. But that's that, um, yeah, that, that formula, especially in a business like that where um, you're dealing with, uh, as, a, as a client, maybe you know, multiple touch points throughout the business. Um, so from sales through to you know, um, you know, design, construction, contractors, if, if, if you're getting a similar feeling, and I think we talk about feeling a lot when we're talking about um, you know, brands and, and marketing, if you, if you get that feeling throughout the whole process, it's, it's, I mean, it's going to be great from a customer point of view, yeah. but also great that they're, you know, it's a nice place to work too. Yeah. And, and you know, the, it's a commercial construction. I mean, they're building yeah. steel and, you know, it's, it's that sort of, it's buildings, but they really focus. So it's a lot of concrete and steel, but they focus on the people. And I think that's so important and that can extrapolate across any business and it should. You know. Yeah, I, I speak to people that have had the opposite where I suppose top down have tried to instill, you know, these, these, these values or, or culture, like impose culture across um, an organization without sort of having the um, input from the team or, you know, that, that sort of longer term um, fabric, which they can rely on. Um, and, it, and it just doesn't work. You, you sort of, you need to have that buy-in, but you also need to walk the walk, right? So if, 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 if upper management is, aren't, aren't putting people first, then how can you expect the contractor to come in to do it? Yeah, hundred percent. And, and, and I just think that's interesting because from a marketing perspective, it isn't often necessarily considered like that internal culture and value. And, but when, you know, people like Simon Sinek talk about the why, yeah. you know, that it really demonstrates that you can't, can't market successfully unless you've got that internal piece and unless you've got that internal conversation and then that gets you know personified in your marketing i think i think it's actually one of the most important things for for a long-term business anyway and you maybe see like sort of fly by night or sort of a burn and churn business where that isn't you know put first and but those those type of businesses don't tend to last either either they you know, piss off their customers and they lose their customers or they piss off their team and they can't, they can't, you know, maintain from that end. So Mm. I think if you, if you want to build something long-term and, and um, something real, then it it needs to come from that place of, uh, uh, Honesty, yeah. no, no authenticity. <laughs> we, gotta, we need to. So our challenge is to come up with new words because we've real. we've killed Realness. them. Keep it real. Yeah. Keep it real. And you know what I'm laughing at as I'm sitting here looking at you? We are both hand. Talk- you were saying we're kind oh, of yeah, mirrors yeah. of each other. Oh my gosh, we are we're like ah, that's what I do. <laughs> We've both got our uh, merch on. Yeah, yeah, we're branded and talking with our hands. Oh, so weird. So you're like my brother from another mother, yeah? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So I think you've been doing podcasting four years now? Yeah, no, I've just ticked into my fourth year. I just got, yep, yep. What, what, like what, what are you doing? And not, not so much from a technical perspective, but what are you doing differently now four years in than, than when you started? Oh, well, I mean, that is a, a big question because mm. lots. Um, okay, so it, technical is definitely one of the big changes as well. Like the equipment that we've used sure. has changed because um, 
you know, we've got better at it and we're more focused on sound quality, which is really important. Um, but also, I suppose, some of the big differences is that it's easier for me to get guests. Yep. So that's nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of, um, it has its own um, momentum now where people know the podcast or, you know, um, it's easier to contact them if I want to to do it. But I get people asking to be guests, which is nice. Um, That's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, you know, advice I say to people is, you know, ask to be on podcasts, but do your research. Because I also get, like, obvious cut and pastes requests. Sure. Can we be on your podcast? And I'm like, you don't know anything about it because you have not demonstrated that. As opposed to someone who sends me an email and goes, I love your podcast. This is what I could offer your listeners. This is what I would talk about. You know, would you consider me as a guest? And I'm all like, yes. 100%. Because, yeah, they've brought to me a value proposition position and the podcast is all about sharing value so so, so that right there is is the the personification of my human sound robots value right and that, that yeah. is actually one of our values at dn is is that i don't if, if you're sending me a cover letter that you've you know it says dear sir and it's copy and paste it i don't i won't i won't look at it for, no, for anything. i can tell straight like oh. i've only got one sentence in delete delete <laughs> two seconds in delete but if, even if you're i don't know trying to sell me solar panels but you start the phone call with something interesting and you engage me I'll give you some, I'll give you, a, you know, a few minutes as, yeah. as opposed to nothing. Because I think, you know, if you're making the effort to, yeah, like have yeah. that real connection. Carbon copy doesn't work. Nah, exactly. Not at all. Yeah. So then different things. Um, we've got more formula around the process of how we edit and how we distribute. Um, just time saving sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um when I started, I mean, I didn't know what I didn't know. Sure. So, and we're a lot better. We're across more. We we understand that podcast distribution is different than, say, Facebook or YouTube, where you put, you know, whatever your content is up onto one channel and then it's done. Whereas we now realise that, and because it's constantly evolving, there's new podcast directories all the time. Mm. And like probably for a couple of years, we didn't even really realise that the value of being across all of the podcast directories. Yep. Um, whereas now we are, we watch for new podcast directories and we always make sure we add them. Um, so just, you know, some, just learn, some, learning some of those things. For somebody um, looking at getting into podcasting, and I know you do quite a bit of sort of a, you know, teaching and training and, and, and across your clients, I think too, sort of get them into it. But the, the reality of, of the, that process, it, it becomes, it's, it's, it, I mean, it, it can be simple, but it's actually quite a process, right, across, across the board. And, and to, to get all of the, yeah, the distribution, the artwork and the format around that and when you put it out and how you put it out, it, it, it's... Oh, look, I, I mean, one of the first things I say to people is do not underestimate no, the time required. <laughs> and because we, uh, we release a podcast episode every Monday and we have, uh, you know, as I said, going into four years. But, you know... <laughs> And that is no small task. No, that's a commitment. Um, and it's a real commitment. So we have a saying, you know, talking about sayings at work, it's like, let's not be chasing Mondays because they come around whether I want it or not. Mm. <laughs> like, and we need to relate. So we've got to be ready and backed up for that. And which, you know, content creators are across, you know, doing that across multiple different channels. Um, and podcast audio is no different. No. Yeah. And, no, that's right. and once you've got the distribution around, you know, because we use Libsyn as our podcast host and that shares a version of it across to YouTube. It shares it across to different platforms. So, you know, we've got that. I also release a blog with the links and some keynotes in it. And so, you know, we've got all of that set up and 
you know, it makes it easier, but it still work. Would, would you would you recommend people dive in and just start first, or think about all that strategy around the distribution before they before they no, get into it? No, I would it? think about it first yeah. because pod fade is a serious thing. I can't mm. remember the percentages off the top of my head, but there is a huge number of podcasts that start yeah. and then fade away. And I think it's testament to, to four years and, and you being able to um, you know get guests and have people ask because I think that longevity really starts, and, and we're sort of starting to see it now too. That um, you know sticking around, and, and I think the way people listen to these things is. They don't maybe all listen sequentially, so they might dip in and then go back and go, wow, there's this, you know, um, 170 episodes I can listen to here and, and go back and cherry pick, pick through them. I know that's how I listen to podcasts yeah. personally. So Yeah, definitely. And, you know, people will start. It's unlikely that somebody would start now and mm. go back to episode one. Um, although, I mean, Andre Eichmeier was our episode one, yeah. so maybe because um, he he is one of our episodes that still gets plays. Solid first guest. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I did I did eleven episodes before I launched. Okay. So I did the prep um, before going live. I mean. I was pregnant at the time too, so then just throw that into the mix. I was like, oh, I need a bank stored up because I'm going to have a baby after I launch. But anyway. So if I was if I was a um, uh, like a CEO and you come and pitch to me, we're going to do this podcast, uh, you know, as a, as a marketing manager, what's the – like what would you pitch as kind of the you know, return on investment, I suppose, for all that energy that goes into doing that? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I would definitely say it's a long-term thing. So I would never oversell it and say, you're going to get results immediately, thousands of listeners straight away. Um, so I definitely pitch it as realistic, but it is a very, you can reach an engaged targeted audience podcasts Mm. about on-demand curated content so the people like whatever industry you're in if it's gardening you know if it's architecture if it's marketing whatever it is there's an audience for you and if they're a podcast listener and you put out content that's on that specific topic then the people that are going to listen are interested in that topic so you're going to reach interested people Mm. then and podcast listeners are engaged people so and even from my personal perspective the people that listen to my podcast will then go from the podcast and jump onto social media channels they'll talk to me they'll send me emails they want to you know give me their perspective and comments on what that guest said or what was shared so it is really a very engaged um, interested audience so your your really your ability to target and create you know genuine connections authentic connections um, I think is is higher through through podcasts than other social medias and platforms and I would include the data around that you know Facebook numbers are, are declining many of the social media platform numbers are going down whereas podcasts only continue to go up and it's unlikely that that's going to slow down you know in the next year or two no and we're behind the trends in australia here as well so i think we look at what's happening in the us and the uk in terms of numbers um you know we're on trend to sort of you know i think track with that and we're behind it at the moment yeah and you know like the listener numbers across multiple demographics are increasing so if i was a marketing manager i'd certainly be include including some of the demographic numbers specific to your business yeah um but they're they're on the up people are spending 
money. Advertisers are now spending more and more money. Like every time I look, there's a you know the number has gone up from millions to this to that. Like it's it's just big money is now being spent, and big players are getting into the industry. Yeah. So big production companies, which some people go, oh well, then why would a small player get involved? But I my argument to that is because the big players bring audiences. Yeah. So as you know, as an an Apple podcast are now talking about creating content, like all the BBCs and all of these big producers um, are producing content and they have massive reach. Yeah. So they will bring the listeners. You get your content in there and you're going to have the ability to reach more people. And I think overall that some of those big players are not doing a very good job of it. So they bring the initial attention, they spark interest in it and then people might fade away from, you know, MailChimp's, you know, podcast, whatever it might be, mm. someone bigger than MailChimp, mm. NBC's, you know, and then um, start, yeah, diving and delving in. And, and the the niche level can go to, you know, microscopic, right? Like, I mean, there's anything and everything. But yeah. I think a good example there is, you know, YouTube and looking, you know, how massive, you know, some of the biggest, well, the biggest YouTube channels in the world are, are not big corporate productions, right? They're, they're, you know, they're people that have just had a cool idea and found a really engaged audience. Um, whatever it might be, mm. you know, unboxing children's toys or all the <laughs> sorts of crazy yeah. shit that's on yeah. YouTube now. Um, I think people, we live in this fragmentation now where people really want to delve into their own thing and have it feel real. Mm. Yeah. And, and see, that's what podcasting can do. It can create quite intimate connections, mm. you know, where people really feel like they know the host, you know, they get the, there's, they're in their ears, literally. This person is in their head talking to them, you know, whether it be weekly or however frequently. So they do build this sort of intimacy. I mean, I've had cards sent to me from listeners. That's awesome. <laughs> I know, it's really nice. Because I've never me- had any cards. Send me cards, people. <laughs> <laughs> and money. <laughs> no, no one sent me any money. <laughs> um, how have you found, like, how has it changed your, like, I, mean, I, I think just... You know, by by knowing you, you're a really good communicator and, and really engaged. But has it changed the way that you have conversations with people? Yeah. And, and as that with the interviewer had on specifically? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I love talking, mm. but communication is equally and potentially more importantly about listening. So, and my granddad always used to say, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth, and use it in that order. Um, and I struggled sometimes. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but the active listening skill that's required as an interviewer is something that I, you know, if you talk about the change over the four years, that is something that I've had to work on and improve. Like with, with any skill, you know, the, the basics were there, but, you know, because I've got an idea of what we might be talking about before we start an interview. But then depending on what the, the guest is saying, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they've just said this most incredible thing. Yeah. But generally they say it and they're still talking. So I have to try and remember that thing that they said and the question I want to ask about it while still listening to what they're saying and still keeping it – whoops, I'm knocking them out. I'm getting excited about this because <laughs> it's, it's really – but still thinking about the, the curve that I want the episode to go on and how we're going to stitch it together. So there's, there's lots of – things going on that's involved in active listening so yes definitely that is a skill that I have improved and will continue to try and improve it's the biggest thing I think that I've noticed and then it's you 
I think when I started, I thought I was better at it than what I was. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I listened back and it really is, it is tricky because you, you do have a sort of a narrative in your mind already at the start. Yeah. Hey, Mila's coming, we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about that. And then it might meander off and you need to keep it on track to an extent, but also follow those threads where it makes sense. So Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also some guests who might might be nervous or they're just not as experienced about t- at talking so they've got this incredible knowledge but they're not very they might give you short answers you know and so learning the skill of asking the same question multiple ways like I might have to ask it three times before we really get to it or go on and talk about something else but then bring it back around because I know they've got this information here I just need to somehow get it out of them draw it out um so yeah that like and I love that process the process of uncovering story but certainly yeah I, I definitely I probably thought I was better at it than I, <laughs> than I was but I've, I feel I've definitely gotten better how do you warm people up because I, I think that um, so, again, we've, we've interviewed sort of similar some similar people and some people you know have never well, lots of people have never done a podcast before mm. um, and some people find it quite uh, nerve wracking sitting with a microphone in front of them yeah well look and the problem I find is uh, so it, it's there's not actually a strict answer because it really does depend on on the person but I find if I talk to them too much before we record and they tell me parts of their story then when we're recording they don't they're like oh I've already told you that so they don't tell it as well like there's something about the first storytelling yeah you know that that yeah I, I don't know what it is and there's but it I try not to talk to them too much before because I'm um, like, I'll, or I'll talk to them about the weather or, you something know, sort of, yeah, something that's not related. Banal. Yeah. I don't want them to start talking about, because quite often they want to tell me what they're going to talk about because they're, they're ready. They're prepared. We're going to do yeah. this podcast interview. They want to tell me. And I'm like, well, I don't want to talk about it until we're recording. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll often just hit record. Um, let them know yeah we're just going to do some testing mic testing and have that conversation and then just oh no we're in we're recording have we started recording yeah we're we're recording we're we're rolling now yeah Yeah, you're just like oh let's get the gold but sometimes um, so I've got another podcast I do I I do um, competition barbecue um, which is another aside we've got a podcast for that and a a few of the people have just been like the most charismatic like bigger than life people off air and then they get on the mic and it's just nothing and then the podcast has ended and then all of a sudden it's back on. I've just kept recording and we've used that as the podcast because we've had a 20-minute conversation at the end. It is, uh, I think you notice when people are in their head and, and really sort of second-guessing their, their answers and yeah. thinking too much about what's happening as opposed to being in the moment. Um, it can be tricky. Yeah. And look, I mean, there's been a couple of podcast episodes that I've not used. Yeah. Um, just because the, the person, people were so nervous, I think, yeah. really, and just couldn't 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 get across couldn't get out of their own head and yeah. sort of because i know they had wonderful stories but it just didn't translate and that's been awkward i, I use wine as quite a uh, good motivator <laughs> <laughs> well, i know sometimes in the morning would you bring out the wine then i tend to not do them in the morning but i i, I wouldn't have a problem with that personally <laughs> the, the guests might i don't know <laughs> this is true this is one that, o'clock somewhere that, right that, that would be uh, that would be true to you know my authentic self <laughs> Yeah, so, well, and then talking about the barbecue. So mm. this is obviously something you're really passionate about yeah. as well. Like, so what's that like a, you and but you're bringing in the podcast into it. That's great. Oh, yeah. I, I managed to weave all these things into my life somehow. Um, 
Yeah, so food's always been massive for me. So I, I loved food since I was a kid and kind of got into cooking more probably uh, 10 years ago. Um, barbecue's sort of always been passionate. And then we, we did um, work for Weber and through that found out more about this sort of whole competition stuff that goes on, which I didn't know anything about. Um, and yeah, kind of got hooked now. So we've been doing it four years. So got a team and we do sort of five or six competitions a year around the country and yeah, it's really fun wasn't there a movie that came out with yeah, that really was. funny australian yeah, dude there was called the barbecue or something mm, there was a lot of teams from the you know the comp circuit that, that were in it so i know a few people that were in there i didn't see the movie it didn't look that great i don't think uh, but. <laughs> but i like that dude i can't even remember his name yeah uh wow what is that i'm just thinking of the toilet dude that wasn't his <laughs> shane in the door is his name jane anyway um, I didn't watch it, but that's fine. Yeah, so we started podcasting there as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? And okay, so let's go back to communication and building communication. Um, you know that actually connects. So, for you, then, what do you think are some of the re- the really key things? Like when you're working with clients, how do you think people can successfully build connection? Sure. So I, I really think it comes back to, and we've talked to um, Andre about this, you know, with Vinamofa, I think they did such a great job coming back to that, you know, who, who are you as a, as a business or as a, as a company, whatever it is, and taking that conversational tone. So I think really, if you can think, so we talked to um, clients about their, if your website was a person, who would it be? Um, and what would that, if they walked into a room, like what would the conversation they have be with, you know, the, the people that are standing in front of them? I think more often than not, people try and add all this gloss and, sheen across their communications whereas really it just needs to come back to you know what it is you're trying to sell i like saying you know back to that if you're a business owner and you're sitting down and having a coffee with someone telling them about your products or your business that's what your communication strategy should be like so Mm. you know that personal and and that and that real as opposed to trying to add all this uh i I suppose sort of flair on top of that Mm. and in that digital you know and obviously with the change in your name that humans are not robots Mm. you know in that digital space because you know digital platforms are incredibly you know powerful good way to connect how do you manage the digital and the human to to still maintain that connection to to be like the person in the room because i think that you know it we're looking at platforms right so we're looking at ways to have conversations with people so um, you know, being fairly platform agnostic, Facebook and Instagram are big in Australia right now. Um, you know, before that, it was whatever MySpace and the radio and television. It's just different ways of getting your message out there. I think the benefit of the the digital platforms we have now is they are sort of easier to to reach your audience that you want. Um, that comes with some caveats around and privacy, and there's whole issues around that too. I think which is going to get increasingly concerning and probably make. I think as you know. As consumers and as people living in a digital world, we're going to have to become a bit more savvy about that. But I think if we can put those blinkers on and say, we don't want to hear from these people, but I do want to hear from these types of people, then really you've got that platform. So then it's like, how do I make a direct connection with with you who might be interested in my stuff, but I don't want to scream at you, buy this, buy this, buy this. It's like, hey, how are you? Like, you know, we can offer this value you're interested. And it's, I think it's as simple as that, really. Obviously, there's, there's ways about going and doing that, mm. but starting like a, a real conversation. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting because, I mean, I studied marketing, well, I did a management marketing mm. degree before any of this Facebook or any yeah. of that stuff existed. And so the concepts that we learned then was around this, you know, 
the people and building brands that talk to them. And so I think it's kind of almost gone full circle because there was a while there when Facebook came out and the digital technologies and how to use those platforms. And the focus was, oh, we've just got to be on Facebook. We've just got to you yeah. know, be in these places because that's where people are. But now I think we're coming back around as, no, it's not about being there. It's about how you connect But I, th- there. I think that was a misdirect and I think it was yeah. kind of sloppy marketing. To be honest. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah, yeah. marketing hasn't changed at all, right? Like, no. I, mean, I mean, there's that, I suppose there's that mixed messaging of like advertising versus marketing. But yes. I think, you know, selling a product and, 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 and marketing it and, and going about and sort of letting people know, hey, this exists, we exist, hasn't really changed. I think, yeah, there was this thing, we, you've got to be on social or you've got to do Facebook. It's like, mm. well, what does that mean? Yeah. And may, maybe you don't. Maybe are, are, your, you know, the, are the people that you want to talk to on Facebook? Yeah. Or if they're on Facebook, are they there because at the time that they want to talk to you? Yeah. They might be on Facebook but don't want to engage with you there. Yeah, that's right. I think making smart decisions about what so, – so if you're you know, looking at – um, and I think keeping abreast of new platforms as well that are coming out and working out, well, what is the best way to, to, mm. to reach an audience? And mm. I think, you know, that sort of, you know, okay, so um, cold call. I had a uh, meeting with a client the other day, works for a business. He's coming as a new biz, biz dev guy. They're still cold calling. That's, that's their only way of, of marketing. And he sort of said, right, we need to put a digital strategy in place. And so I started having that conversation. They have nothing, no social no, like their website's very minimal. Um, so I'm like, you know, this is kind of a long game for you from here. Like you've got to start building um, a reputation for yourself online. You need to start. And so it sounds like they do all these things on a personal level within the business. It's been around for 45 years. It's got a great long tradition. Um, coming straight into digital and, and screaming that isn't going to win them the trust of, of the types of clients they want to work with. So it's kind of a long game then, right? Mm, absolutely. And, and that's 100%. Who are you talking to and how do they want to hear from you? has always got to be, you know, up there at the front. And you can't, I think that's having a, so yeah, like you said, around, I think it comes into culture, but a really strong sense of identity. Who are we as a business? What do we stand for? Who are our people? How do we want to talk to them? How do, how, how do we want them to hmm. engage with us? Hmm. Um, if you, you know, you, we're so fickle as consumers now too. You know, one sloppily written email or one thing at the wrong point in that sort of buying process can really put you off mm. but it done really well um can engage you even further and you know yeah. I'll, I'll i'll i've you know i'm quite meta about it because i i like sort of being in these sales funnels and watching how how i've sort of been sold to <laughs> but even even sort of watching it if it's done well i'm like cool like i'll yeah i'm, yeah. Inter- I'm interested in this yeah oh i love a good sales funnel <laughs> i'm all like well done yeah, yeah. Right, it's, it's kind of it's it's nice. I, I like to see. Wow, well, they put the effort in to actually do it properly. Yeah, and and I actually think, and this is probably subconsciously for a lot of consumers. Then it must be they must be a good business. They must be a good product behind it. Mm. Yeah, and when it's or done tr- poorly, then the opposite yeah, is true. Opposite. So, which is not what you want. No, a hundred percent. I think that you know, if you do it well, you could. And, and the other aspect of that is, and I I use this example quite frequently. If you're thinking about audiences and how you want to tell your story, like. I, you know, if I've got a story I've got to tell and I'm at home with my 10-year-old son, I'm mm. telling him the story, I'll use different language yeah. or include some of the details, take some out. I then go and I'm talking to my, you know, 70-year-old parents. 
same, similar thing. I'll tell them some of the bits, da, da, da. I then go to the pub with my mates over wine and they get a completely different story. <laughs> the uncensored, all the versions. It's literally the same story. But because I'm talking to these different audiences, I nuance it. And yeah. we do that every day in our day-to-day life. We're, we will always do that. So we, I don't understand why that then doesn't, that understanding doesn't translate in a business marketing concept. Yeah, sure. And that, I think that's tricky for, for bigger brands that do cross over those, um, you know, yeah. Like have quite a broad um, age range demographic, then 100. percent You've got to, you've got to tailor, and I, I think the the beauty of the tools again. So the, the digital is is fantastic in the sense that you know it was pretty much impossible to tailor a TV ad to a demographic outside of you know time of day and the show that was on, right? Yeah. So I don't know, but you know people from 12 to 70 were watching Neighbours, right? There was no real way to sort of target that in. Whereas we can do that now and 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 we can target, you know, tailor a message or talk in a tone that that suits with the, who we're sort of ch- chatting to and resonates. So mm. I think that's exciting. So yeah. I don't, I don't the digital doesn't mean need to come in as kind of a like a nefarious tool. It's just it's just a platform to get the message out there. Um and at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff we're doing is written communications or, or you know, voice or video, which has been around for forever anyway. So it's just a slightly different way of um, serving the content. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's where we need to be, that we're not caught up in what the platform yeah. is. It's just a delivery tool. Yeah. And this, I mean, this, I suppose there's, like, I'm, I'm kind of pissed off that I didn't capitalize on the earlier days of Facebook when they opened up the advertising platform because we were using it. From just personally from my business perspective because I think it was it was cheap to advertise then and mm. if I'd probably doubled down on a Facebook instead of 2012 it would have been good for the business I didn't mm. um, so there's obviously opportunities if you can get into a new platform early and as a mm. you know, smart marketer sort of um, take that to your advantage but I think that yeah overall who cares about the platform, right? Yeah. So but the other side to that is, and, and I don't know the answer to this one, but the other side is that there's so many new platforms that pop up now. Like, do you jump on board of them? Do you, like, say, TikTok? Is yeah. that, did I even say that right? Yeah. Like, honestly, I, I, I'm not, I, I downloaded the app on my phone because I was like, what is this TikTok about? And I kept seeing different people that were like, oh, marketers need to be aware of of tiktok and should be on this and i was like i looked at it and i was like I, what <laughs> I, oh no am i getting too old now i don't understand like <laughs> i think that i did the same thing like with snapchat and i actually got quite a deep into it and, and started yeah. to, um it, it was actually quite a useful tool for me to make from a personal connection make some cool connections with other marketers and people around australia because it was that sort of first um like early Insta- adopters yeah. yeah but like instagram stories I, I, I actually and i still like instagram stories i like that live short snippet raw unedited like people can obviously you know curate it a little bit but often it's just kind of quite raw content and, mm. I, and I like that um so I like that aspect of it and then I sort of tried to push it from a business aspect I think I think you can take new platforms with a grain of salt maybe you know if you want to be an early adopter and it, it really sort of seems to make sense for your target audience to jump in and have a play but mm. yeah prob- probably wait and see what yeah. happens I mean Periscope was one that like popped up and went away <laughs> yeah volume, right. yeah yeah, yeah. So, yes, that's the thing. And I think for businesses, you know, in general, other than marketers who might want to play with them, I'm yeah. like, mm, I don't think you should go near them. And I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you can, you can, what LinkedIn the last, you know, the last, um, you know, two years, obviously LinkedIn's been around forever, but there's been, well, with the, you know, the advent of video, a, a massive push there. And I've seen obviously a quite good traction personally across the platform. But then again, from a business perspective, I, not so much. So I think mm. it's, yeah, taking doing a bit of an autopsy of what you know what the platform is good at, what it's not good at, what, what's its sort of usage like locally. So I think 
well, Facebook's declining here too, but other places in the world, Facebook's kind of not really working that well at all. Mm, yeah. And it, it is, it does come back to knowing what it is that you want to achieve as a business. You know, why would you spend time and money on that? But don't you think, like, you can you could do all of the, the content strategy prior to the, the prior to working out which platform you're going to... I mean, yes. you're going to have an idea about that because it, it might dictate sort of the creative or whatever, but mm. it really comes down to the core of the message you're trying to get across. Yeah. And then you can work out how you, how you distribute yeah, 100%. The podcast distribution stuff's quite interesting because it, it, I do you find that the, the analytics isn't quite as um, no. isn't quite as advanced as what you've got it's across not. the web or yes. social, which is frustrating. Yeah, I mean, look, they are improving it Definitely. and we use Chartable as well as cool. um, just the analytics that we get from Libsyn mm. um, because it seems to be a good sort of connection um, and you can get different sorts of insights from it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that I, you know, I mention whenever talking to people about podcasts, the analytics aren't as good and it, because it just is harder to sort of figure out where they're coming from, where they're going and, you know. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, I mean, there's way, like ways that you can try and embed links and, you know, use codes or whatever if yeah. you wanted to, but they're not. It's not as great as Google Analytics, for example. No, I think if you if you're thinking about like a you know a funnel and having different stages along it, like it it, it is it's more difficult to track. Mm. Okay, they they were engaged for 27 minutes and then mm. you know, went here, but I think yeah, like it is a if people are engaging and listening, you know, repeat listeners, then they're a very engaged, um, yeah, you know, audience and, and fan. Yeah, I've definitely found that the engagement from my podcast listeners is much higher than any of my other platform, any of the content we put on other platforms. Did you start it purely as sort of a content marketing piece for narrative or did you start it because you were just interested in it or? Yeah, no, well, like, so I'd been hearing about podcasts, what's a podcast, and I went to Social Media Marketing World in San Diego. Cool. um, In 2015, I think. And... um, yeah, you know, there was just so it was such an advanced conversation at the time. I'd been listening to Entrepreneurs on Fire, J- sure. JLD, John Lee Dumas. Hello, 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 Fire Nation. <laughs> and that's the worst American accent. Sorry, John. He's like, and he, you know, I went to his session at the at the conference, and he was so lovely. Like, he literally stood at the front and hugged everyone that went into wow. his room. Like, and he shares a lot of information um to help get people starting podcasting and but it was such a a mature conversation at that point in america in 2015 yeah so i was like oh and it just it really appealed to me um you know how they were communicating and the connection and it was at this uh, you know i'm not a huge social media fan i use it because it's an important tool and it's part of the marketing toolbox but um person i don't necessarily love it and it's not something that really inspires me whereas Mm. i was sort of thinking this podcasting that sounds good and um yeah so then came back to adelaide and went oh i'm gonna do a podcast who's doing podcasting and in 2015 in Adelaide, there wasn't many people doing podcasting. No. It was kind of silent. I was like, oh, we'll be right. We'll figure it out. And, yeah, had the conversation with Chris. Like, well, you, you edit video, audio and videos. So it's the same, right? We'll be fine. Jump right in. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we did. And the exciting thing is that, you know, not that long after, in the, you know, in the following year, podcasting, there was conversations happening in Adelaide. Yeah. And then, you know, 2017 
there's a podcasting festival, the first one I think was 2017 and then 2018 and then you get to now and like it's just gone, it's bananas. There's mm. podcasting studios everywhere, recording places, So, it, which is really good because it means there's much more robust conversation, more yeah. people that – you know, can help recommend and talk about podcasting. So, you know, it's it's a good, healthy ecosystem now in Adelaide. Where and a bigger audience too as well. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so everything's growing around it, which mm. is which is exciting. So, I mean, to, I'm not sure that I answered your question then actually. Sorry, if I go back to <laughs> So I, I started it because I thought I, I needed to experiment with the medium. Fun. Um, I didn't really have any big picture in mind. But I knew that I just knew there was something there. I really liked it as a vehicle. I love learning and sharing information. It's you know, so it just it fit with, you know, how I wanted to communicate. I I I had a blog, and I was like trying to write blogs about how to do Facebook marketing yeah. or you know why you should do this in marketing. And I was Top like five. literally. Google that shit and find someone else's blog because yeah. it already existed. That, that content was already there. People who had spent, you know, hours researching that were creating. I was like, why would I then be a one, you know, one man band and try and create that content yeah. as well? You know, I'd rather just find links to other people's and send people off there and reference sure. that. So I, was, I needed to find something that was unique that I could bring to the conversation. But it fits so well with your, you know, storytelling and you know, yeah. and, and, and everything that you sort of stand for. It makes more. I mean, storytelling is around a campfire, right? It's it's, yeah. it's, it's verbal. That's yeah. that's sort of the history of storytelling. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and you know, in a previous life, I, I lived in Broken Hill and worked with the Indigenous community there, and we did a lot of you yeah, know cool. oral um, storytelling work mm. and slam poetry. So awesome. Yeah, it just brought together all these things. So. It, fit i'm really annoyed because i i was actually a really early adopter with podcasts and it was something that i talked about for for years of sort of i like i really like the the sort of long form more sort of journalistic form of it where you know people find a story and and, and dive in and sort of put together a radio piece around it yeah as opposed to you know just just the interview style um i can like four years we were saying we'll do it we'll do it we'll do it and we just we never did it mm. i think the best thing you can do is just put down like an iphone and just do one right mm. get that off you know so we did a few of those where we just recorded something put it in the you know put it on the edit room floor doesn't need to be released but it sort of ticks it over mm. and i've talked to a number of businesses which i think is really cool that actually do internal podcasts mm. which they don't release at all but they sit there record it and just you know it's just a way of having you know i suppose a more focused engaged conversation amongst the team even if it's an internal, like say a dev team, just talking about new stuff that's going on, and you know, maybe they can keep it for themselves. It doesn't need to become this big thing. No, well, and, and more and more companies are doing internal podcasts, yeah. and the platforms and are, are now, you know, it used to be there was only a couple of platforms that could kind of really facilitate an internal podcast that you could keep, you know, confidential, I yeah, suppose, in a way. Uh, but now most of the big platforms have got options, or well, lots of them do anyway. So it's really cool because you can be, particularly if you're a bigger company and you've got different locations, you might have people yeah. across countries or internationally. So it's a really good way of connecting and because, you know, it's a bit more exciting than reading a staff newsletter. Yeah, and it's funny, like, I mean, as 
uh, we're not very big at all. But as we've grown, like I find that I don't get to spend the same amount of time with uh, all the team that I used to. Mm. Um, so I, I do a, a, a Friday email, but now I'm thinking, why, why didn't I do it? A, a Friday you know, audio. Friday audio. How cool oh, is that? Oh, It'd be okay. easier. Like oh, just well, I prefer to do that. Yeah. That's sort of more. Yeah, because I like that sort of, you know, stream of consciousness style. Yeah. That's how I write as well. But I think that's a, just a nice way of doing it. And, mm. and it, you, you, what I really like about it is, I mean, you, I can obviously edit this, but often we don't, is that, you know, it's raw and it's uncut and what comes out yeah. comes well, out. Well, if it's internal, like, yeah. you know, they're used to your uncut version anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I might do that. I might try that. Uh, do it. Try that this week. Do it. No, Love yeah. it. Right. That's, that's good. That's a good idea. Problem solving. <laughs> you know, I've never been to the podcast festival, so we've been podcasting since 2017. Oh, so no. It's been this year, hasn't it? Next year. Yeah, so it's... Yeah. It has previously been sort of around fringe time. Yeah, that's right. I'm not sure if they'll do it that mm. time again. But no, it's good. It's fun. And it's like, it's cool to see Adelaide's podcast scene. Yeah. I've know? seen a few, there's a few new ones popping up as well. Oh, there's on always yeah. heaps. Yeah. So have you, are you going out and actually actively um, like mentoring people and, and showing them the ropes around how to do that? Um, so I run a, a full day podcast workshop and with Scout Digital, although Erica's no longer doing Scout Digital. Okay. Yeah, she's just announced this week. But we've got one more this year and then I'll see what happens next year. So, yeah, I run a full-day training, and but really focusing on, okay, what's your strategy? Yeah. You know, what are you going to do here before just diving into distribution, editing and, and that sort of side? I think it make, that makes, especially from a business perspective, like uh, I've had internal conversations because this has sort of been my baby was like, Sam, how much time is everybody spending on the podcast? We're spending a lot of time on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> how much is this podcast costing us? Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm pretty passionate about it and, um, you know, have quantified it to a certain extent as well, which is good. Um, but I think putting the strategy in place first is, is very smart. Yeah. Well, and definitely, I mean, it's probably easier for people like you and I to, you know, do a podcast because we are in the business of yeah, content it's, creation. It's meta, right? Yes. And you can talk about the, the process. But some, you know, another business that's, you know, that marketing is not their business, it's going to be another step harder for them. So, and they might not have that, the robust processes around content distribution, yeah, et cetera. So, definitely. Um, you know, whereas that's what we do. True. So I think it, it is a little bit easier for us. Not that it's easy uh, writing our work off. No. Uh, but then but, it would be expensive to, um, you know, pay an agency or even a freelancer to, you know, yeah. to do that process. So if you could empower someone in, in your internal marketing department to do that, then that, yeah. would, that would be great. Yeah. And so that's where my training comes in because what, and I do the same training for video as well. Cool. I mean, and obviously we, provide video, you know professional video services and we provide podcasting services but like the, I, I understand running a small business myself there's only so far your budget can go and you can do some of this internally so the more I can empower people to do stuff internally then there's it's not like I'm cutting you know people like my family are like why would you do that don't you want them to pay you to do it and I'm like but it's not feasible for them to pay me to do it but they still might then build I might build a relationship with those people so if they do want to pay for a professional video down the track they'll go oh hey we should talk to her. That's the way to do it, though. And I think that, you know, let them start you doing it themselves and building and building the confidence. And, and, and if it's a benefit to them at that point, then maybe mm. yeah, they will want to engage you. So mm. I think, 
Yeah, give away as much as you can, really. Yeah. And I love, I love knowledge share because you always get something in return. Like, it doesn't have to be a financial return. Like, it's just incredible what you can learn and how that can change your life. It's so funny. This morning we had a, um, did a workshop with a client. I kept saying knowledge sharing. I must have said it about 10 times. Then Nick, our designer, was like, is that, a, is, that a, is that a real thing, knowledge sharing? I've never heard that before. I'm like, really? You've never heard knowledge sharing? <laughs> I, I, I definitely feel like it's a thing. It's, it's definitely a thing. Nick's, uh, Nick's crazy if you listen, Nick. Um, but 100%. And I think that the more we can give away, the more you can add value. And again, like at the end of the day, everyone's busy, right? But I think you, you get to a point where you can learn learn a lot go great this is of interest to me and then you know they'll look at you as a trustworthy person to come back to and i think in terms of content marketing that's that's the best way to do it right just give away as much as possible mm. put some strategy around it sure but yeah yeah well and you mentioned there it's about building that trust and relationship yeah. and that, i think that's where it comes down to that's what a good business is built on yeah and I think somewhere like Adelaide, like at the end of the day, all digital marketing is great, but it still comes back down to relationships. So um, often a digital marketing might just be sort of a top of mind to get a phone call and then you're going to do a lot of the selling, you know, offline anyway. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think I think people thinking that everything can just be fully automated and, you know, all digitized, um, especially in a market like Adelaide, isn't isn't really the case. Some no. products may be, but no, what I what I often ask um, guests is you know, what are you excited about in the future? Mm. What am I excited about in the future? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so next year I turn 40. So it's the festival of 40 nice. the whole year. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so my next year, I, I often have a word for the year anyway. So next year is festival. It's a festival of 40. So what I'm excited about is opportunities big so it's about and celebrating them and really so my attitude and my my mantra for the year will be really have fun and you know just get involved in enjoying what I do so I'm excited about the opportunity for enjoyment nice that's exciting I think embracing embracing new things is what it should be all about right yeah well you know and because 40 is a, a new 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 year I'm ticking over into it and 40 is 40 is a new 20 Look, for me, 40 is the new 40 and I cannot, like, I'm, just, I'm excited about that. I, 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 don't, I don't have any concern because, you know, I've got to where I've got and, gee, it's been a wild ride, some of it good, some of it not. But, you know, wh- what am I going to do in my 40s? Like, it's the, the op- opportunities are boundless. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to uh, see the festivities next year. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I'll have to do a podcast festivity at some point. Yeah, definitely. Let's think about that. It'll well, be yeah, exciting. We, we can do, uh, you know, the, the, uh, your, your 40, 40 best guests or your 40. Yeah, we could do that. But do you know what I'm also thinking? We could have like this boardroom is maybe inspired, but what if we had like 40 podcasters wow. and you sort of did speed podcasting like or that. something like that? We've yeah. got some cool guests in and we speed podcast. I'd be down for that for sure. That's the festival of forty. Well, that speaking about, so um, <laughs> we're, we're both going to be involved in Southside again this year. Maybe, yes. maybe that, maybe that's an idea for for next year. We could get something like that happening. Yeah, that would be cool. I know it's cool. Yeah, we could do this. I think so. See, and when you go like that, you go wide with what's our festival idea. Yeah, great magic happens. Oh, I can't wait to can't wait to be there. I want to be a part of it. Yeah, let's do it. All awesome. right, cool. thanks so much for coming down. Thanks, Sam. Cheers. Hey everybody, Sam here again. Thanks so much for listening and thanks so much to Amelia for making the time and coming down and recording with me. That was a lot of fun. She is going to put out an edit as well. Uh, And yeah, if you want to check out her podcast, just search on your favorite podcast app, Be The Drop, or you can find 
her at narrativemarketing.com.au and all across social. Her Instagram handle is B underscore the underscore drop. Um, if you just search Be the Drop or Amelia, you shall find her. So thanks so much and thanks again for listening. Like always, if you enjoyed this, please tell somebody. Shout it out loud. Till next time, catch you later.